You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. Over the next two Sundays, I'm going to be talking to you about what it means to deal with the feeling of being completely overwhelmed with life problems. Anybody ever felt overwhelmed by your problems? The rest of you aren't paying attention because we all do. We all at times can be completely overwhelmed with our problems and difficulties. Well, it's interesting that the Bible has a lot to say about that challenge. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It doesn't mean that you don't love the Lord. It means that you are human. And I believe several weeks ago that the Lord spoke to me very strongly about these next two Sundays. And I want you to prepare your heart and I want you to come expecting that God is going to help you navigate some of those really difficult places where you find yourself in life. Where you feel the squeeze of the moment, of the anxiety and the stress, the panic, if you please, that, that is crushing you with that particular problem. God, God's Word is going to speak to you about that today. So let's begin reading in verse 14. Now just for context... Jesus has been on top of the mountain with three of his disciples in a very dramatic experience that is called the transformation, the Mount of Transfiguration, Transfiguration, excuse me. And he's been up there on that mountain and then he comes down with those disciples and he encounters this issue that we're going to read to you beginning with verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Have you ever said that to the Lord? My God, Lord, help me if you can. Whatever you can do to help me. Verse 23, Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you. 
to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. And afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why could we not cast out this evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Some versions of the Bible add the word and fasting. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're about to do in this room today. People have walked into this house today with their problems and their difficulties. And you have prepared an encounter with your word and your spirit that is going to perhaps be life-changing for somebody today. Somebody watching online right now needs to hear what's about to be said. Somebody listening to this podcast, Lord, is going to find the hope and the encouragement in your word that you prepared for them today. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love this story. I've preached about this story a good bit over the years. I've even preached some of this story to you before in a different context, but I love this story. And I, I made a list a, a while back about why I love this story. I love the story, number one, because it's a story about a father. I'm a father. I love the story because it's a story about a son, and I am a son, and I have a son. I have sons. It's a very relatable story. Both of these men in this story, both of these people are relatable to me. There's a father who is completely overwhelmed by a problem that is bigger than he is. And then there's a son with a problem that he can't fix. But the best thing he's got going for him, the blessing the boy has, is he has a father that will not quit fighting for his breakthrough. Now there's a particular verse here I don't want us to miss at the very beginning of the message today, and I think it'll be on the screen. It, it's, it's where Jesus says this, anything is possible to him that believes. I want you to say that with me. If they, I don't know if it's, it's supposed to be on the screen, but if not, you can say it with me. Anything is possible to him that believes. Would you say that, please? Can you believe that? That anything, the word anything, anything is possible to him that believes. To which the father says to Jesus in a very odd exchange, he said, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. It almost sounds like a contradiction of terms, doesn't it? I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. And over the years, as I have read this story and taught it and preached it, I've come to this conclusion that what the Father is probably saying, maybe saying, is I do believe, I'm trying to believe, but I am completely overwhelmed by my circumstances. I love you, and I love God, and I want to do His will, but I'm overwhelmed by what I'm feeling. I'm overcome by my struggles. 
I, I want to believe. I do believe that anything is possible. But this particular situation, this, this thing that's going on at my house, this, this problem I'm having with my teenagers, this thing that's going on with my finances, the stuff that's happening to my health, I do believe that all things are possible. But this situation is overwhelming. I've been there. I feel that. I, I know that that's probably what the Father is saying. So I want to begin this morning by looking at what I call three myths that probably are preventing you from managing your overwhelming feelings. Here's the first one. The myth that we buy into that life is supposed to be problem free. We buy into that, don't we? And the problem with that myth <clears throat> is that we are always chasing the problem-free life and it's not out there. Willie Morgan said the other night in our elders meeting and he cracked us up. We were talking about our church and how good God has been this year. And Willie said, God is blessing our church, but pastor, there are no perfect churches. In fact, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. And it's true. Jesus said to his disciples, in the world, you are going to have trouble. John 16, in the world, you're going to have trouble. I want you to know that. There's no escaping that. There is no problem-free life. That's a myth. Life has its problems. Here's the second myth. The second myth is every problem happens for a reason. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands because we've all said this. Everything happens for a reason. On some level, I'm going to say that's probably true. The problem with that myth, though, is that you start assuming that every bad thing that happens to you, God's behind it. That God's trying to do something bigger in your life, so he let this terrible thing happen to you. And it's not true. It's not true. God is not behind every problem. He doesn't cause every problem. He's not the source of every problem. Now, there are times when God allows you and I to go through testings and trials so that he can refine us and make us better. But literally, get ready now, your biggest problem is you. You cause most of the problems you deal with. I do. I'm kind of like that episode of Andy Griffith. In which Andy tells Barney, Barney, I am forevermore getting my pitchfork hung on my own overalls. The problem is most often us, our choices, decisions, and our actions can often be the source of the problems that we have. And, and listen, let me, let me say this. There are some things in the world that are just evil. I'll say that again. There are some things in the world that are just evil and God does not create evil. He didn't create evil and he doesn't cause evil. I was telling the intercessors today in our, in our prayer session that as I was watching some stuff this week, I was reminded of what Paul said when he said, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. 
in this world there are people that are just evil and because they're evil and because God has allowed them to just chase their own pursuit, they do evil things. And God's not causing it. He doesn't create evil and he doesn't cause evil. So don't attribute every problem that you face in life to God. He's not the source of every one of your financial problems. He's not the cause of some of your illness. He's not the cause of your relationship issues. And he's not the problem for failures you have in your life. Things are bad. And sometimes when bad things happen, it's because of sin in the world and sin in our lives. And they're caused by the result of living in a broken world. It's a myth that everything happens for a reason. Here's the third myth. No one understands my problems. You ever said that? Hey, nobody that understands what I'm going through. Well, that's a myth. Because that myth tricks you into believing that you are absolutely all alone on this world. And it's not true. That there is no one that understands what you're going through. And that your life and your problems are worse than anybody else's problems on the earth. No one in history on the planet could possibly understand all that you've had to carry in your life. You need to understand that whatever problem you're facing, now listen to me, whatever problem you're facing right now, whatever problem you brought to church with you, there is probably somebody sitting in this room who's had that problem before. And they've been through it. And they've dealt with it. And you're not alone. Because there are people in our church who are here to help you. To help you navigate that. And I know sometimes it's difficult to step into those kind of relationships. But the fact of the matter is there are people in your life who absolutely understand what you're going through. There are people sitting here in this room right now who've been through a divorce. There are people sitting here in this room right now who have beat cancer. There are people right here in this room who have braved the loss of a loved one. There are people right now in this room who have lost their job. There are people in this room right now who have been abused. There are people right now in this room who have overcome addiction. There are people right now in this room who have raised teenagers. Now listen, if you think about that list I just read to you, think about that list. If you have ever had one of those problems, I want you to stand up. Just stand up a minute. You see what I'm saying? It's a myth. Thank you. You can be seated. It's a myth for the enemy to blind you by saying there's nobody who understands what I'm going through. This is one of the th reasons that I love the fact that we're about to launch our life groups. Because what life groups are going to allow us to do in this growing church, which is growing very fast, as we start growing out, these life groups will help us to be connected with people who have similar passions and experiences like we do. Young married couples, raising kids, seniors going through that season of life. Life groups with people like us who are going to be able to walk alongside us if we will let them 
to build the kind of connections that can help us navigate life. I love Shelly's phrase that she used. You've probably heard her say this. We're doing life together because we're all in this struggle to navigate our problems. Here's something else. Not only are you not alone in this world with people who don't understand what you're going through, but I need you to understand even more importantly that Jesus understands what you're going through. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For our high priest is able to understand our weaknesses, tempted in every way as we are, but he did not sin. Let us therefore feel secure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace. There we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. Jesus understands where we are. He understands the pressures of life and the struggles that we face. And so when this father comes to Jesus, Jesus has compassion for the challenge. He understands the pressure that this father is under. When I think about the story for this morning, I think about three very simple little statements that I want to offer you in, in, in hopes that it will help you to navigate this feeling that I'm completely overwhelmed with my problem. Here's the first one. When you feel overwhelmed, when you feel that you are completely overwhelmed, don't turn away from God. When your problems are, are swallowing you and you feel the pressure of life, do not turn away. This father demonstrates for us that this is what you should always do when you feel overwhelmed. Get to Jesus. Find Jesus because he will help you. Get to him as quickly as you can with your problem. So many times, and I've seen this so often, is that when we start feeling the pressure of life, we start having our problems, we withdraw from the very things that we actually need. We get under pressure in our house. We get under pressure in our marriage. We get under pressure on our job. And we withdraw from the Lord. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants you to withdraw yourself from the Lord. But when you feel overwhelmed, the first thing to do is run straight to Jesus. Connect to him because he's the one that can help you navigate the situation. Don't, don't neglect or avoid your brothers and sisters just because you got a problem. Is it safe to say this? If I get in trouble here, Shelly, you'll have to get me out. But is it safe to say that this is really a church full of hypocrites? Because we walk in on Sunday morning and they say, how are you doing? I'm fine. Lying rascal. You just told your husband on the way over here that you were falling apart. I don't think I can do this another day. I'm just fine. I'm really, I'm just fine. Thank you. We have a precious lady in our church and we all love her so very, very much. I, I love her dearly. If I ever say to her, can, can I help you with something? No, I think I'm just fine. Me knowing all the time she needs my help. But, but we, we, have this, we have this thing that we do that we, we put on this face that we don't need connection. You know one of the hardest parts of the whole COVID experience for me? First of all, the hardest thing about COVID to me was the loss of Melvina Carter 
That was the worst thing for me. That was the worst outcome of COVID to me. I miss Melvina so much. But this, maybe the second hardest thing was the fact that we didn't get to see each other. I'll never forget that first Sunday after we'd been closed for 12 weeks. I, I could hardly wait to get here to see you because there's power in our connections. And instead of turning away from God, we need to make sure that we are leaning into the Lord. That way we can assure that we are not alone when our problems come. We can lean into Him and we can lean into one another. Psalms 46 and 1 said, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help us in a time of trouble. Here's the second step. When you feel overwhelmed, don't get bitter. When you feel overwhelmed with your problems, don't get bitter. When problems occur in your life, you really have two choices, don't you? You can get better or you can get bitter. Maybe you've seen this in somebody that you know. Life came against them. It was adverse. They had a difficult time and they fought as hard as they could to deal with it, to overcome whether it was an illness or, or a financial problem or a relational issue or whatever it was, they fought as hard as they could to try to overcome it and it just beat them down. And even when it was over, they were never better. They were never the same. And they got bitter. And they got angry over the things that had happened. They tried to fight, but after the fight was over, they got bitter. When you saw that, you said, that's never going to happen to me. And yet if you're not careful when you get in the middle of your problems and you're overwhelmed with circumstance and you can't find the answer and you see other people being blessed and other people in a, difficult, a better situation than you are, it is so easy to become bitter, isn't it? It's so easy to cave in and, and wonder why God is not helping you and, and why your life is so hard and so difficult. It becomes bitter. What seeps in, you don't even actually feel it. It's just happening over time. It begins to take hold of you and you feel something that feels very odd. And what it is is bitterness has crept into your heart. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 really informed me when I was studying for this message. Here's what he said. He said, look after one another so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Man, there's a world in that verse right there. Look out for each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Because that's what bitterness does. It creeps into your heart and it takes a hold of you and it turns you away from God. And bitterness then poisons you and it poisons people around you. I don't, I don't know how you'll feel about it, but this is what happened. Many years ago, I was living in another city in another place and very happy with my life, getting along very well. And uh, I received a significant...
significant promotion in the career that I was in. And I was completely caught off guard by it. I didn't see it coming. I'd worked very hard and I was very grateful, but I didn't see it coming and did not necessarily believe I deserved it, but it was a, a significant career move for me. So I drove that particular day, the one I'm about to tell you about, to a meeting in another city. And I walked into the meeting location, and as I'm walking around the hallway, going toward the location where my meeting's going to be, I hear my name mentioned. I even recognized the voices of the two people talking. Men that I had revered and honored for most of my life that I'd known through my father for many, many, many years. Men of great renown in my mind. And I heard one of them say, what a ridiculous decision. There's not a more unworthy candidate than him. I don't know what in the world they were thinking. This boy is going to crash and burn. And I just stopped. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I walk around the corner what an awkward conversation that's going to be. So I just backed up and walked right back to my car and got in my car and went home. Now, <clears throat> many of you are so sanctified and so holy, you've never had this conversation with God. But I got in that car with God and I started fussing. I started telling God how unfair what just happened was and I didn't deserve it and, you know, that kind of thing. You know how that goes. One of the only times in my life that I believe I've ever seen a vision, I know it's going to sound strange to you because I'm driving a car, but I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a vision that day. 91 miles from that building to my driveway, and while I was driving, I had a vision. And in my vision, I saw a bowl of fruit sitting up on a counter and I saw somebody come by, although I didn't know who it was, and they hit that basket of fruit, and all the fruit fell out on the floor. I saw hands, although I didn't know whose hands they were. I saw them picking up. I heard a voice say, put it back in the basket. Nobody will even know what happened. They stuck it back in the basket and walked away, but I, my, my fixation was on that basket. And the farther that I looked, the longer that I looked at that basket, I began to notice that the apple began to turn colors. And the other fruit in that basket began to turn brown. And eventually everything that that apple touched turned brown until every piece of fruit in that basket was rotten. And in my heart, in my head, I heard the voice of the Lord that said, if you don't manage this moment right here, you're going to get bitter. And you're going to poison everybody that knows you. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't want that. And I began to cry out like the Father, Lord, help me. Help me. And the word of the Lord came to me, and I wanted it on the screen. It's going to be on the screen for you. From Luke chapter 4, Jesus picks up the scroll of Isaiah, and he says this. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. There it is. To set at liberty... Them that are bruised. And I said, that's what I need, Lord. I need to be set free from the bruise that I've had. 
And the Lord touched me in that car. And I'm telling you, by the time I pulled my car into the driveway, I was completely touched and healed and released from that moment. And when my wife said, what, what happened? I said, nothing. It's fine. And it was a long time before I told anybody what happened. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. If you don't manage, you hear me this morning? If you don't manage the bruises in your life, you're going to get bitter. And then your bitterness is going to turn into something that's going to change you into something you never intended to ever be. You'll be critical of everybody you meet. You'll be critical of everything that's going on. You'll lose your place. You'll lose your anointing. You'll lose the favor of God because you've allowed a situation that was overwhelming you to make you bitter. I feel the presence of the Lord in this room right now. You see, what I'm trying to tell somebody in this house is that you need to let the Lord set you free. You need the Lord to set you free from your bruise. You need to be able to walk away from the pain and the heartache and the difficulty and say, Lord, I'm letting you set me free from what I was. And that root of bitterness doesn't set up in your life. Because if you don't, if you don't, you're going to turn into something you never intended to be. Here's the third and final one. When you feel overwhelmed, don't give up. Don't give up. I'm so thankful in this story that this father did not give up. He came first to the disciples. He says to Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. They could not help him. It would have been so easy, wouldn't it, have, for him to have said, well, there you go, I'm just going home. No, he waited and kept fighting because he was committed to his son's deliverance and breakthrough. And he came to Jesus and said, listen, if there's anything that you can do today to help me. The fact of the matter is that he got to the person who could actually help him with his problem. For some of you sitting here today, you don't need me laying hands on you. You don't need Sister Jeannie Roten laying hands on you. You just need to get to Jesus. There's no power in me. There's no power in her or anybody else. Even though I have great confidence in her, I'm just using that as an example. The power to deliver you, the person that you have to get to is Jesus. If you encounter Jesus today, he will fix your problem. He will fix the problem. He will help you navigate that feeling that I cannot manage this situation that I am in. How do I know that? Well, first of all, I know it because he's done it for me. But second of all, I know it because he said it. Anything is possible to him that believes. So here's what I want you to think about with me here in just a moment. These people are getting ready to sing. That's why they're moving. Everybody else, just sit tight. Please don't move. Here's what I want you to do right now is I want you to name your problem. Name it. Name your problem in your spirit. A few days ago, I'm being completely open and transparent with you right now. A few days ago, I just had a panic attack to come on me. 
been a long time since I had a panic attack. And I told Shelly, I don't, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know what's triggering it. By the grace of God, I've been able to navigate that. I'm past that moment now. But you know that. Some of you understand that. You're feeling it right now. You're feeling that overwhelming, anxious feeling because just talking about it, just thinking about the problem you've been wrestling with puts you in a really bad place. So name it. Call it what it is and name it. And remember what Jesus said. All things are possible to him who believes. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at lakeeriechurch.com.